Amen. Good luck to someone next to you and say, you look good in church today. Amen. It's Resurrection Sunday. You know, before we get into the Word, I want to pray at the end of the service. I believe as that video was going on that somebody, there's a woman and a family here that that, that touched and is believing for a child. And so we're going to pray and believe. I don't know who it is, but we're going to believe and pray for that. Someone who hasn't been able to have a child, you know who you are, and God can do that same miracle in you. Amen? And not just one child, but two, but three, four, however many the Lord puts on your heart. Amen. Praise God. We're so glad you're here. Welcome all that are watching online. This is the Super Bowl for Christians. Amen. And how many know we don't lose in this game? Jesus already won it. Amen. I want to put a quick plug in before we get into the Bible and get a message this morning on this Easter Sunday. There's a show called The Chosen. Raise your hand if you saw The Chosen last year. Okay, so a lot of you did not, which is great. Um, this is a, a very powerful series of shows that came out that talks about the life of Jesus, and it's super well done. And they've done some things that have never been done before. They, you know, with YouTube and Netflix and a lot of the stuff that's out there to watch movies on, they're censoring a lot of stuff. How many know as we get closer to the return of Christ, there's more and more censoring of the gospel and of, of, of godly things. So they went on their own platform, and it's called Vid Angel, V-I-D Angel. Also, you can see right there what it looks like. Uh, you have to get an app for your phone, and then you can stream it to your TV. But it's free. It's totally free. And they have crowdfunded this work, and they have done a whole season one. And tonight starts season two, and they've already raised about 40% of season three. It is powerful and life-changing. It's, it's the best. You know, there's a lot of movies that have been made over the years about the life of Christ. It's the best one I've ever seen. It's the most informative. It's the most accurate. And it's the most real. I love how they make, how they show the side of Jesus that's human. They show him joking around with his disciples. They show him, you know, as a human being. Because how many know God came down as, a, as, as, a, as God into a human body? with human emotions and human thoughts. And so I really, really want to recommend this, especially if you're a new believer and you are trying to understand the Bible and you're learning how to uh, navigate the Bible. This will really be good. But what I want to recommend is before you start season two tonight, watch the whole season one so you'll kind of have an idea of where it's going. So I'm not obviously uh, a part of this or anything, but it's something I really recommend because it's really, really, really good watching. And you'll have to binge watch that first season, but it'll, it'll happen on its own. Because once you start, you'll want to watch the next one and the next one and the next one. And that's what me and Carla did. We went through the whole thing like in one day because it was so good. Amen. I want to talk, as they said in that video, about the greatest event in history. Do you realize today that we're celebrating the absolute greatest event in history? Now, we understand that because we are here today by God's grace. If you're here, maybe you were invited. Maybe you were drugged here. Maybe you were begged to come. Maybe you're here because you're like, hey, it's Easter. There's my one time of the year I'm going to go to church. Amen. However reason you're here, we're glad you're here. But I'm telling you that you're not here by accident, and God wants to speak something to you today. I want to read the account of the resurrection in Matthew chapter 28. If you've got your Bibles, if you don't, you can look up on the screen. And this is a story about Jesus' resurrection from the grave. And I want you to know today how important this is. It says, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene 
and I want you to remember that, remember that name, and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I want you to remember that. But the angel answered and said, Women, do not be afraid, for I know that you who, you, who, who you seek was, is Jesus who was crucified. That's important. He is not here. Would you shout that out with me? He is not here. How many are thankful today that we're not, we're not celebrating a, a funeral of a man? We're celebrating the resurrection from the dead. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. It says, come and see the place where the Lord was. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. And it's a good fear. And ran to bring his disciples words. This is the account of the greatest event in history. People were polled and they said, hey, if I, maybe if I asked you, you'd have some answers. What, what's the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world? What's the most important event? So I read uh, some of the things that people said. Some people said that the discovery of fire, that we could use fire, was a huge event in history. Some, some people said the invention of the wheel. That's important, right? We all got here on wheels today. Some people said the creation of currency. Some people said that the greatest event in history was the invention of the alphabet. Others, the advent of timekeeping. Others said the invention of the, of the printing press. And many years ago, it was said that the greatest event in history was when man landed his foot on the moon. Now, as I listen to all those, I could say, you know what? Those are all great events. But none of those events do anything for me in eternity. None of those things talk or address about what's going to happen once I go into the afterlife. How many know today that that's something that should be thought about a lot, and a lot of people don't think about it? Do you realize today that there are two things for sure in the United States? I want you to say it with me. Death and taxes. Amen? You're going to die, and you're going to pay your taxes. And you might die paying your taxes. Amen. I know that that's not good news, but how many know it's true? And we don't know when we're going to pass into eternity. Hebrews 9.27, listen to this, says, And it is appointed for man to die once. And watch this. And after this, judgment. So the Bible tells us right here that we're all going to die and that we're going to have to face judgment. So we're not going to die and the lights are going to go off and everything's going to be over. The Bible says once we close our eyes in death, we are open to an eternity and we have to face judgments. How many know that we don't die when we think we're going to die? How many know in our minds we say, I'm not going to die for a while, that'll never happen to me? 13 or 14 years, no, it was about 15 years ago, I was playing professional basketball in Costa Rica, and my teammate went to play an exhibition game. Very good friend of mine who I'd actually been able to witness to and lead to the Lord. His name was Cito Robertson. He was, uh, Cito McDougall, sorry, he was a guy that could fly. 
He could dunk anything I threw it up in the air. He was a, a player for the national team of Costa Rica. He was 27 years old, and he was out of high school, and they were uh, exhibitioning him, doing dunks and three-point contests and all this stuff in a high school. The high school gym was packed full of kids, and my friend was going to get a pass, and as he caught that pass, he dropped dead of a heart attack at 27 years old. You don't ever know when your time is going to come. You don't ever know when you're going to breathe your last breath. And so, by church, it is so important to understand that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is by far the greatest event in history. Because it is what gives us hope this morning. As Dwayne was talking about, you know, telling someone, giving someone a thumbs up and giving them hope. How many know we're living in a world that needs some hope? We need hope. And we have the hope this morning that is the, the greatest event that ever happened. And people need to know about it. And that's why we're telling you about it this morning. So I want to look at a few things this morning and uh, look at a few scriptures. And I want to talk this morning, if you'd go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, about the account of the gospel that breaks it down and makes it simple. How many like simple? If you have time today or sometime this week, please don't do it now because you'll get lost on what I want to show you. Read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. It's a perfect account of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. But watch what this says here. Paul is an apostle who it was, in case someone doesn't, has never been in church and never heard a message, he was a man who was a Jew who was very, very devout Jewish man, and he hated Christians. And he actually persecuted Christians and took them to their death and was what, what I always like to use in our terms today, someone like you would think like an Osama bin Laden, someone who was an enemy of the gospel. And this man had a Damascus experience on his way to take Christians to jail, and he fell off his horse from a light from heaven. Jesus appeared to him personally and said, I want you to go tell people who I am. And he converted to Christ. And now he's sharing, I delivered to you, to the church of Corinth, first of all, all that which I have received. So he was passing on the hope that he had received from Jesus. And watch what it says, that Christ died for our sins. I want to tell you something this morning. You're a sinner. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a sinner. Some of y'all said that very emphatically. Amen. We're all sinners. Okay? We all fall short of the glory of God. So he says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried. Now how many know this would not be the greatest event in history if it stopped right there? Everybody dies. Everybody goes to a tomb. Lots of people have died for causes. But it didn't stay there. It says, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And watch this. He was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. And this is something a lot of people don't know. And this is very important to our faith. It says, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. You know, I've read that a a many, many times before, and I, and I don't know if I ever noticed that it said at once. I, I knew that he had appeared to over 500 people, but as I was reading it this week, I saw it again and, and, and realized at once means everybody was there at the same time. How many know if two or three people see something, two's, two is a witness and three confirms it? On anything. You go to court, you take things to court, you just need two witnesses to say something 
This is not two or three. This is not ten. This is not a hundred. He appeared to over 500 people. His living, resurrected body was seen by over 500 people at one time. It's powerful. Amen? And so it says, and of whom the greater part, as he was writing this 2,000 years ago, they were still alive. Some remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Now, as I've been preaching for a lot of years now, Easter is my favorite day of the year, although I celebrate Easter every day. How many celebrate Easter every day? We don't celebrate the resurrection of Christ just on one year, one day a year. We celebrate it every day. We don't just celebrate Christmas one day a year. We celebrate it every day. When you have a relationship with God, it's every day. So I've been preaching this for a long time, and a lot of times I would stand up and preach, and I would say, you know what? You don't have to have faith to believe that a man named Jesus walked this earth. Because it's historically a fact. It's in the history books. A man named Jesus from Nazareth walked the earth. He was a good man. He was a prophet. That's, that's history. You don't have to have faith to believe that this man was crucified and died and went into a tomb. It's history. But I used to always say, the only thing you have to really have faith for is that he came out of that grave. But... Several years ago, God led me to something that showed me, although I believed before I heard this, God has people on this earth who are very smart and very educated because, you know, a lot of times people, I think people think, oh, those dumb Christians. They're gullible. They believe that this man came down to, to he, from heaven and died on the cross for our sins, and they believe that, and they, but it's funny to me how many people believe in the Easter Bunny or believe in Santa Claus. Or believe all kinds of things. And, and so there's a belief there. But as I, as I started to study, I found this guy who in the 1800s, how many have ever heard of the, of, the, of the law school called Harvard? Anybody know that name? Most people know that name. It's the, the, one of the most, if not the most prestigious law schools in the whole world. And when it was founded, there was a man named Simon Greenleaf. This is in the 1800s. And he was a professor and it says he was the acclaimed royal professor of law at Harvard University. And so as he was teaching, he came up with this, this thesis, and it was called the Law of Evidence. And it says that he was one of the most celebrated legal minds in American history with one of his works, this paper he wrote, the thesis on the Law of Evidence. And today, in 2021, it is still considered one of the greatest single authorities on evidence in the entire legal procedure of law. So this is a smart man who knew law. And so he's starting his class one year at Harvard University Law, law School, and someone in his class mentions the name of Jesus Christ, mentions that, I, probably, I think he was probably witnessing. And he hears this name of Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead, and he gets angry because he is a full-blown atheist. He does not believe in God. He thinks that that's crazy. He thinks that's ridiculous that all this happened. And so he says, stop talking about that in my class. And so, so the person in the class said, why don't we take this through the court of law? Why don't we see if this is true or not? And so he was angry, mad, and also excited to prove and debunk the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he started this semester and took an entire semester and began to gather evidence about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in this story, when I first read you in Matthew 28, there were some things there 
that he saw and used. And this man, who again, I want to remind you, has written the greatest single authority on evidence in the entire legal procedure of law, and one of the most celebrated legal minds in American history, begins to go through this semester, and by the time the semester was over, he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is a resurrected Savior. He gave his life to the Lord, and then he made this statement. Simon Greenleaf of Harvard University. He said the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most verifiable event in human history. So I can tell you from a man from law school, Simon Greenleaf, that this is the greatest event in history. And guess what? If you believe this morning, we're part of the greatest event in history. But here's the cool thing I like too. I, I believed that before I found that out. And Jesus said to his disciples, when Downing Thomas came and said, I'm not going to believe until I touch his hand or feel the nails in the hole in his side where he was pierced. He, Jesus looked at Thomas and said, he said, you believe because you've seen me and you've touched me. But blessed are those who are going to believe in me who have never seen me. And I'm one of those. I believe Jesus Christ is the Lord. I believe he's the risen Savior. And I believe that I am part of the greatest event in human history. Amen? Let me show you a few things as we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that I think is going to raise your faith. It's important as believers that we believe. God does not want... See, today's a day that would be considered religious. I was looking at stats and they were saying, today on Easter Sunday, 6 out of 10 Americans will go to church. I don't know how many people go to church on a regular Sunday, but 6 out of 10 sounds like a pretty good number. And a lot of people will be in church today because it's a, it's a religious holiday, because it's a day that people just go to church. I don't want to be a religious person. I want to have a relationship with God. God wants us to have a Can you imagine just seeing your kids or your family on birthdays or Christmas or certain holidays or your wife or your husband saying, I'll see you next birthday? How would that work out? But there's a relationship that God wants to have with us. And so we can, we can read his word and all these things can encourage our faith and get us to a place where our faith will not be shook. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, watch this, look, at, look what it says. It says, verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I have received, that Christ, that's the same thing we just read a second ago, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again. I want you to see that that is the gospel. That's the good news. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. Okay. Now it says, and if Christ, this is very important, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. And you are still, this is important, guilty of your sins. See, I got news for you this morning. We're sinners. I told you earlier, tell the person next to you, you're a sinner. We're sinners. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. If Jesus did not come out of that tomb, we are still in our sin. Which means, Romans 3.23 says, the wages of my sin is death. That, which means if I die, I stand before God as a judge. And I don't have anything to say. I don't have anybody to stand in my place. So he says, if we don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, then we are still guilty of our sins. In that case, he says, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. Lost. And if our hope 
is in Christ only for this life. Are you listening to what I'm saying this morning? If we're just thinking about life here, you know, people every day, and just leave that up for a second, every day they plan their retirement. People every day plan vacations. People every day plan and plan and plan and plan, but they don't ever think for a second about their eternity. That blows me away. I can't understand that. I can't grasp how you can put so much emphasis on this life here and never think about eternity. Because when we get to eternity, what's it going to be like after a couple hundred billion years in eternity? This life's going to seem like a vapor, which is exactly what James says it is. It's a vapor. Is anybody noticing how fast time is going? Has anybody... Is anybody in here a little older and notice that older you get, how fast time goes? It's like, it's like when you start getting older, it's like all of a sudden it's like downhill. Right? Am I talking to anybody real in here? Does anybody realize we're already in April? Does anybody remember 2010? That was like yesterday. Last year we weren't even in service. It's already been a year. It's been the longest, slowest year in the history of the world. Amen? So... Time is flying. And before we know it, we're going to be out of time in an eternity. So we really have to focus today on this Sunday. And I want to speak to some of you that maybe are, are here today and you're like, hey, I'm going to check that box and I'll see you all next year. One of the things Ceci said in there, and one of the things a lot of the people say in our church is, we need to get to church every time the doors are open. Because some of us were radical in our sin. We need to be radical for the Lord. Every day we were doing our thing. Every day we were acting like fools. Every day we were drinking, smoking, doing drugs, fighting, violence, all kinds of stuff. Now that we're saved, we need to be radical for the Lord. We need to be serving God every day, doing something for the Lord every day. Because we realize if our hope in Christ is just in this life, we're more to be pitied more than anyone else in the world. But it's not just this life. It's for eternity. But in fact... How many can say, in fact, Christ has been raised? Amen? Now, as I say that, only you know if you really believe that. Only you know if you've got a head knowledge of who Jesus is, or you truly believe that Jesus Christ came out of that grave. And it says, Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Because he came out of that grave, he's the only person, church, who's ever been on the other side of eternity. You tell me one person in the history of this world who has ever been able to claim that they could defeat death. Death is undefeated. Death always wins. But that one man, Jesus Christ, from heaven, defeated the grave. He said, the Bible says, the, church, the song says, sorry, death could not hold him. He came out of that grave and he resurrected with power. And the Bible says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me, it'll quicken my mortal body. That's why we can be healed this morning. We can be delivered this morning. We can be set free this morning. Our marriage can change this morning. Our finances can change. Our life can get better. God can do a miracle in you today because of what Jesus did when he came out of that grave and defeated death. There's power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now quickly, if you'll stay with me, here's a few confirming facts that I want you to think about. One of the most interesting things about the Bible is that when we saw in that Matthew 28, the first two people to get to the tomb were women. 
You start to think about how God does things. And the more you read the Bible, the more you realize God thought of everything. It's very interesting as you study history that women would go to the tomb first. Because at the time of Jesus' death, women's testimonies were not valid. So, if they were trying to make something up to cover up a fake resurrection, they never would have put in the Bible that women got there first. It's a powerful statement. It's also a powerful statement that God can use people and, re, and, and re, uh, uh, bring things back around. I was talking to my wife about this before. Something interesting that I was reading on top of that is that how many know, this is Bible, don't get mad at me, women. How many know Eve sinned first? Don't get mad at me. We, we sinned too, but Eve did it first. So he, he made it right by getting those women to the tomb first. He's a God that makes everything right. But because those women got there first, it proved even more that this was a valid resurrection. 2 Peter 1.16 says this, is a powerful verse. For we know, sorry, we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. So they didn't make something up. Now this is an interesting thing. Have you ever heard somebody say that the Bible contradicts itself? Anybody, anybody heard say, maybe you said that. Maybe you thought that. You've heard somebody say that. The Bible does not contradict itself. The more you read the Bible and the accounts of the Gospels, the more you see that they were in total unison. Matter of fact, if they were trying to cover something up, they would have failed at some point. Somebody would have messed up. How many of you get, try to fight, get five people to say the same thing? Has anybody ever played telephone? We should just take time, make a circle, and play telephone and prove that you can't, you can't make up something. Truth is truth. If we were to see something, we could, we could bring that account out. But the truth is, church, they, they were telling what they had seen with their own eyes. And over 500 people had said the same thing. Now think about this. What about the disciples? This is a powerful thought. Does anybody know what the disciples did after, they, after Jesus was taken to the cross, and was buried. They didn't go, hey, Alexa, set reminder for three days to go to the tomb. They didn't do that. You know what they did? They went back to fishing. They went back to their jobs. Or they hid. Because they didn't want to die like, like Jesus did. Because they were being accused. Why do you think Peter denied Jesus three times? He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to go die that death, so he denied him. So the men were gone. And, th- and I'm just going to throw this in, too. I'm going to get some brownie points with the women today. The men were gone, and the women went to the tomb. Just throwing that out there. Hey, women, that was a much, much you had a better chance, a much better amen. That's all right. You missed it. Amen. The men were hiding, and the women were going to the tomb. That says something. That's why, that's why women have babies. Amen, because they're strong. What was I saying? The men, the disciples. Amen. You love me, baby? Was that good? All right. All right. So the 12 men ended up killing, uh, being martyrs, 11 of them, because of their, of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so Simon Greenleaf says, if these men, the men's change of heart is a proof that Jesus rose from the dead. Because when he went to the cross, they all ran. But after he resurrected, 
they all came back. If it would have been fake and would have been made up, they would not have given their lives. Think about this. this. While people have been known to die for a lie because they believed it to be true, it's almost impossible to find someone who would die for a lie with the full knowledge that it was false. It's highly unlikely that the disciples would have given their lives for a claim that they themselves had fabricated. Think about it. If Jesus didn't really rise from the dead, they could have just been like, hey, he's gone. Forget the plan. Let's go on with our lives. There's no way possible that they'd have said, hey, he's gone, and we did a good cover-up. Now let's go die for him. Are you understanding what I'm saying? These are proofs that do what? They confirm our faith. They strengthen our faith. They edify the word. They confirm the scriptures, as Paul was saying there. Let me give you one last one as I begin to close. Matthew chapter 27, look at this, verse 62. Not, not only was, was there a plan to kill him, there was an understanding that he had a plan to rise from the dead, and so they had a plan for his plan. It says, on the next day, verse 62, which, fought, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate and said, Sir, now this is interesting to me. Sometimes the people who don't believe in God believe more than we do. That was a good place for a whistle right there. Someone missed it. That's because I haven't read it yet. That's why. Let me give you some credit. He said, Sir, we remember while he was still alive that the deceiver said, After three days, I will arise. And therefore, command that that tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say the people, to the people, he has risen from the dead, so that the last deception will be worse than the first. So they, they've got a plan for their plan. They're like, if he's saying he's going to rise from the dead, we've got to make sure that, that tomb is sealed. Because if he gets out, or if they steal his body, we're done. They're going to believe it, and the deception is going to be worse than the first. So Pilate says, now how many know that Romans were serious? The Roman government was serious. Pilate said, if you don't believe that, go watch 300 or Gladiator. He says, you have a guard, go your way, make it as secure as you know. And they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. It's, it's another historical fact that there's no way that those, so, that those disciples would, could have gone and stole the body of Jesus because the Roman soldiers guarding the stone would have been killed. It wasn't a slap on the hand or jail time. If, they would have lost, if, they would, if that would have happened on their time, they would have been murdered. So there's so many facts that, that help us understand, church, that this is the greatest event in human history. And church, I want you to leave this morning understanding how blessed we are to believe in it. Because you know what? If nobody believed, it's still true. But here we are today as a blessed people who believe. Here we are today as a people who have hope that when we breathe our last breath, this isn't it. Does anybody, has anybody, anybody ever thought about that? If this is it, this is pretty lame. If this is the only world we have, this is it. But God says this isn't it. There's more. But if you want to have eternal life, he says, he says, I go to prepare a place for you that wherever I may be, you'll be also. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. I like that he doesn't just say houses. He said mansions. 
Most of us don't live in a mansion. I got a mansion waiting for me. You got a mansion waiting for you. You got streets of gold waiting for you. You've got a place waiting for you where there's going to be no pandemic. You've got a place waiting for you where there's going to be no death, no sorrow. Amen, church? We have something to look forward to. But the reason we can do that is because Jesus came out of that grave. He took our place on that cross, busted out of the tomb. He's the superhero. Yesterday at the outreach, Spider-Man was over there. And I was telling some people, I'm like, this guy right here, I don't know who he is, but he probably grew up getting picked on or something and got some money, made his truck look real nice, bought a suit, now he's a superhero. Today you can buy yourself, make yourself a superhero with some money. We serve the real superhero. We serve the superhero who came out of that grave and said, if you believe in me, you'll never die. I believe that. He who believes in me will never die. And if you die, he shall live again. Going back to the first verse in Hebrews, watch this. It's appointed for men once to die, but after this judgment, how, how sad would it be if that was it? But the next verse says this. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Christ took my sins on him. For Christ was offered once to bear the sins for many. Once. He went to the cross once. He defeated death once. He resurrected once so we can go to heaven. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. Apart from sin, for what? Salvation. Some people say, what am I getting saved from? Eternity in hell without God. A place where the Bible says is weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place that is not even the darkness or the fire or the pain. It's the separation of God. But church, we don't have to go there this morning because Jesus took those keys from hell and said, I, I defeated that in the grave. And I came back from, from death to life. And all you have to do today is believe that. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we're head, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed all across this place, I thank you that you're speaking to hearts right now. I thank you that you're touching lives online, listening to this on the podcast. There's people here today that maybe they've been raised in church. Maybe they've heard a thousand messages. Maybe they've never heard a message. Whoever they are today, Father, the Bible tells me that today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Father, if we could see for one second what eternity looks like without you, if we could feel for one moment the pain of hellfire, if we could sense for a second what it would be like to be out of your presence, Father, we would never, ever deny you. God, I pray that you'd give us a revelation today of your grace and your mercy and your love. Father, as you've done for so many of us in this place today, I pray that you would present yourself to those today that don't know you because I don't know who they are, but you do. I don't know who's here right now that if they passed into eternity, they would not go to heaven. If they stood before you today, they would not stand before you as a Savior. They would stand before you as a judge. And Father, your word says that we would be without excuse, that there's nothing we could say or do when we stand before you except plead the blood of Jesus. 
Jesus, today I plead the blood of Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. As God's presence is here right now, as his love is walking the aisles, he's touching your heart this morning. God is speaking to you directly, sir. You directly, ma'am. Who are you? How many in this place can say, I don't want to walk out of here on this Easter Sunday on a path of hell. I want to be saved. It's not about getting it right. It's not about getting life together. It's about admitting that you're a savior and you need a sinner and you need a savior. He's our savior this morning. How many in this place, honest hearts, would say, Pastor, would you pray for me right now? I want to accept what Jesus did on the cross for me so that I can live again, so that when I die, I will live forever with Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand all over this place? I see your hand. I see your hand. How many more? I see your hand. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, sir. How many more? Praise God. Praise God. Church, this is, people, this is why we're here this morning. We're here to present Jesus to you. We're here to tell you there's hope for you. Through this church, we have testimonies of people who've done everything you can think of, and Jesus saved them by grace. Doesn't matter what you've done this morning. Doesn't matter how bad you've been, how, how lost you've been, how angry you've been, how faithless you've been. Jesus loves you. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. It's not about getting things right and getting things together and then coming to God and saying, okay, God, will you receive me now? Jesus says, I'll receive you just as you are in your state of sin because then I can make you perfect in me. I'm going to wait just a moment longer. How many more? Those, those hands that went up, God's, we're going to pray in just a moment and God's going to change your life today. But maybe you're here on this Sunday and maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you went to church all your life on Sundays, Easter Sunday, and maybe you even believed at some point in your life, but since you've become an adult or since you've got on your own or since something happened in your life, maybe you've lost your faith, you've lost your way, and today... You need to come back to your walk with God. Today, Jesus is saying, come home, child. How many could say, that's me, Pastor? Lift up your hands. I need, to, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. I see your hand. I see your hand, young lady. God bless you. How many more? All over. Because I don't want anybody to walk out of this place today not saved. If I had a million dollars in my hand right now, not one of you would deny or turn down a million dollars. Why would you turn down eternity and salvation? It's better. It's better than any money. Let's stand to our feet, if you would, for just a moment. And I'm going to do one more thing. All across this place and watching online this morning, you're ready to make a decision. I did it 28 years ago. Never, didn't, never regretted it. I've never met a person that said, man, I wish I wouldn't have given Jesus my life. Never. Jesus is so amazing. He's so good. He's got love that I'm trying to express to you, but my, my words fall short. But his spirit is here right now. His presence is here right now. I want to ask you to do one more thing that's totally Bible. Jesus said in his word that one day we would stand before him. He says, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And the only reason he can say those words is because no other God 
little G, has ever been able to go to the other side and come back. That's why I'm going with Jesus. Buddha, Muhammad, Hare Krishna, whatever other gods you want to put in there that says they're a god or a prophet, has never been able to say, I have the words of eternal life. Only Jesus, one man in the history of the world, went to the other side and came back. I'm riding with Jesus. Amen? If you have never done that, he said, Jesus said these words, if you will confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father that's in heaven. But if you deny me before men, or in other words, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. You'll hear the words one day that God will say, I don't know who you are. Depart from me, doer of iniquity. But today you have a chance to say, I don't care what anybody else in this place thinks but God. And you can make a public confession that you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you raised your hand and many hands went up, I want to ask you to do one more thing if you meant it. If today you're ready to start a new day in your life and all of us have done it, in this place that are saved. I want you to step out of your seat to the nearest aisle and come stand right here in front of me and make a public confession of your faith that Jesus Christ came out of that grave for your sins. Just step out and come. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. Just come. Amen. All over the place, they're coming. Maybe you didn't even raise your hand. Something's telling you, I got to go down there. I need to make a public confession of my faith this morning. Come on, how many more? Several hands went up over there in the back. Over here, hands went up. I'm going to wait for you. Come on, step out. Come down. Let's make a confession of Jesus Christ today. Come on, church, keep clapping. The Bible says the angels are rejoicing in heaven right now when one sinner gives his life to the Lord. Amen. Come on, let's, let's wait. I believe there's more. How many more? How many more? I believe that you're the Son of God, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead and defeated death and hell and the grave. I'm going to wait just a little longer. You know why we wait a little longer? Because this might be our last service. We don't know what tomorrow brings. My friend didn't wake up that morning thinking that was going to be his last basketball game. He thought it was going to be the first of many. We don't wake up ever thinking we're going to die. We don't wake up ever thinking, man, Jesus is going to come back today and this is going to be it. There's a time coming. If you think you're going to live a long time, well, let me give you some other news. Jesus can come back at any moment. At any moment. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay here on this earth for a horrible time of tribulation. Last, last, last year at this time, there was no service because all the services were shut down because of a virus. Last year's virus, church, listen to me. That COVID situation we're going through right now is a picnic in the park with barbecue compared to what's coming on this earth. I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. I've just read the book. I've read the book. There's coming a time on this earth that the Bible says has never been nor ever will be again. This COVID thing is scratching the surface. Give your life to Jesus today. He's the only hope. I'm going to wait just a few more seconds. What this means is, if you died right now, you're sure? You're sure as you stand back there, you're for sure you're going to heaven? You're sure? I'm just doing my part as a messenger, and I want to see you in heaven. I want you to make it. 
I love, I love people. I love you. I don't even know, have to know you. I love you. I want you to go to heaven. And if I love you, how much do you think Jesus loves you? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't die for you. You wouldn't die for me. But Jesus did. And Jesus died for you knowing some of you would reject him. That's what's crazy to me. And if he had to come back and die on the cross again for you, he would do it again. That's the God we serve. He's an amazing God. He's a loving God. So before we dismiss, before we pray, I want to make sure there's not anybody else. How many more? Say, I, I know what's happening to you right now because it happened to me. Your heart's beating really fast. And, you're, and, and your flesh is like, don't go there because they're going to think something to you. Or don't go because they're, you know, what, what, forget what people think about you. I stopped caring what people think about me a long time ago. I only care what God thinks about me because he's the one. He's, he's my creator. Amen. How many more? Five, four, three, two, one. All of you that came to say this prayer, say it from your heart. And the Bible says that as soon as we pray, every sin you've ever done is going to be forgiven. Everything. And today's going to be a new start. Doesn't matter what you've done, no matter what your past is, it's a new day. Would everybody here say this with me, those that are online? There could be some people online right now that need to say this. Just say this with me. Lord Jesus, this is a prayer from my heart. I believe your word. I believe I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. In all my goodness, I fall short of your glory. I believe you came down from heaven, lived a perfect life as a sacrifice for me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, and you shed your blood. Forgive me for my sins. I confess that with my mouth, and I believe in my heart. Jesus Christ is Lord. Come into my life. Change me today. Make me a new creation. I will carry my cross. I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise.